Uh, what a great way to start worship today. Wherever you are, welcome. You know, we believe worship is all about turning your heart and your mind toward God. You don't need a building for that. You actually don't even need music, although it's great to have the music. Uh, whether it's your first time with us or you've been a part of McDowell for years, welcome to this place. You can worship where you are. We're so thankful for the technology, even though we miss you like crazy. We can't wait to be back together. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors at McDowell. Always good to gather with you in worship, even virtually. Now, we're a community. We're following Jesus. We're learning to love. It's this path that we're on. It's, a, it's our identity. It's who we're becoming. And as a community, we like to get to know each other just a little bit. So we've got a question every week that we try to tackle. And the question this week is this. When you were younger, growing up, what or who did you want to be when you got older? What, what did you want to be? Who did you want to be? What did you want to do when you got older as, as a kid? What did you dream of? I wanted to be Dan Fouts and be a quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts, the and one and only. You've got the beard I got the beard going. Uh, I'm working That's on that. That's good. Yeah, it's taking a while. I like that, Dan years, Fouts. So, yeah. what, what else? Who else we got? I wanted to be Jack Nicholas, but never had the swing. So. Yeah? <laughs> Jack yes. Nicholas. That would be fun. An NBA player, for sure. Any? I, um, this is a theme with you. It's like NBA. NBA. You've NBA. got a Major League Baseball NBA. hat on, That's but right. it's NBA. Yeah. I'll say Michael Jordan, but yeah. any NBA player. Jordan, yeah. have you been watching the oh, last, last yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The good. What it's else? Awesome. Who else? Always a school teacher. Always a Always school a teacher? teacher. And, and then I became one. You became yeah. one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I wanted to be the first lady of the United States. <laughs> and close. It's close. <laughs> first or a teacher. Or a teacher. Or a teacher, yeah. What do you got? Uh, I just wanted to be baseball player anybody in particular just a good one yeah just yourself that's good well I I can say I Michael Jordan that I mean that was my dream I used to there was back then come fly with me was the uh, video I don't know how many of you watched that one but I used to watch and try to mimic different moves that Jordan would make uh, which was ridiculous because I had none of those moves but anyway we're going to get back to that a little bit, maybe in a little bit. Like I said, so good to have you with us. Uh, we have a connection card and a form where you can uh, let us know about any prayer requests going on in your life. McDowell.church slash card is the best place to connect with us in this way, especially if, you're for, if, if it's your first time. Uh, we would love to know that you were with us. So just go to McDowell.church slash card. Let us know that you were with us and uh, any ways that we might be praying for you. We have a prayer team that prays over these each and every week. And uh, it would be our honor to, to pray with you. Uh, next weekend is Mother's Day, and we always have a blast at Mother's Day around McDowell. This year is going to be different. We're so bummed uh, that we're not going to all be together on Mother's Day, but we're still going to have a little bit of fun. So here's one thing that you can do for us. We would love if you would send us a picture of you and your mom or you. If you're a mom and your child, it would be awesome. You can send them to john at mcdowell.church. John, you're putting That's this right. together. Yes. It's going to be a little bit of fun. We'll have a little compilation next week. Um, so if you will go sometime today and send that to john at mcdowell.church, we would appreciate it. Also next week, we're going to introduce some of our newest members of McDowell. Uh, we've added a lot of babies in the last uh, few months, and we're excited to introduce some of the, them to you next week. If you've had a baby recently and we don't know about it, we would love to know about it. So just email us, 
Uh, Matt at McDowell.Church, you can email me or Lori, our children's pastor, Lori at McDowell.Church, and uh, let us know. We would love to celebrate with you and also introduce your child uh, to the church. Uh, Like I said, we've had a number in the last few months. I have a feeling we might have uh, a number again at the end of this year after the... um, after the quarantine. Am I allowed to say that? I guess I just did. Anyway, that's next weekend. And then um, also just want to thank you for your faithful giving to McDowell. It is awesome to see your generosity and the mission of McDowell continues to move forward even during this time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for jumping in and being a part of what God is doing uh, here at McDowell, among us, and also through us with our mission partners around the world. Okay, so we're in this series called Overflow, and it's all built on uh, this letter, this short letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote to a group of young Christians in northern Greece. Philippi was the name of the city. And uh, this week, we're going to jump into chapter three. Now, just as a reminder to catch us up, Paul was one of the very first Christians, and he's writing to encourage these, these young Christians, this new church in Philippi. And this new church in Philippi was located in an area that kind of had been taken uh, and and marked as a colony of Rome. And so this idea of citizenship, they had been given Roman citizenship, which was a new thing for them. But these Christians had this allegiance to to Jesus as king, so it was a dangerous thing to, to call yourself a Christian. So Paul is writing to them, encouraging them, telling them no matter what happens, continue to rejoice and follow Jesus And uh, so it's a great letter, so many great lines, and this week is no different. There's some great um, moments in the letter. And if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter 3. If you've got your devices, you can look on there as well, if you can do both what you're watching and then also the device. Um, And remember, as Paul is writing, he's in prison. So it's, it's not like he's free and he's just going about his business and, and just writing a letter. He's in prison and he's writing to this, this, this group of Christians to encourage them, even though he's imprisoned. And the theme that he comes back to again and again and again is found in uh, chapter 3, the very first verse. And here's what he says. Whatever happens, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now think about this. Paul's in prison. And he's writing to these Christians who aren't sure what tomorrow will look like and what does it mean if they pledge their allegiance to Jesus as king and if if the Roman powers that be come in and put them to death. I mean, they've got all kinds of questions. and, And Paul's just simply saying, look, I'm in prison and I can say this, that whatever comes, no matter what happens, don't forget to rejoice in the Lord. Now, this, this word rejoice is a verb. Like, it's a, it's a choice. It's something that you, that you do. And I think a good uh, word in, in our language that, that might really translate well is to worship. The idea is no matter what happens, worship. Like, turn your mind and your heart, your attention and your affections to God. No matter what the circumstances are, worship. And I think that's a great message to us, even today when we're isolated. Like, you don't need a church building to worship. You don't need music to worship. Worship is about turning your heart and your mind toward God to reorient yourself, looking at Jesus and and claiming him as your your Lord, your King, your Savior, no matter what it is that's going on around you, no matter what the circumstances may be. So he says, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. 
Now, one thing that Paul knows, this was going on all over that part of the world, that there were what were called Judaizers who were coming in, telling these young Christians, it's, Jesus is great, he's awesome, um, but you also need to jump through these hoops if you really want to be right with God. You've got to do these certain things. You've got to have these markers in your life. And Paul was speaking against this. And he's speaking against those who would come in. He calls them actually dogs in this passage. And he says, you know, beware of them. Like, they're, they're out to destroy you. And so then Paul goes into this, this long passage. And, and I love this passage. Uh, I, I hope you have your Bibles open or you can go read this later. But he says this, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. He's reminding them it's not about our strength or our abilities to climb up to God. It's not about the hoops that we jump through. And then he, he kind of lists off a number of things that he does that he could be proud of. Like, I've, I've followed the letter of the law. Like, I've done everything. Like, I, of everyone, I'm the one who, who should be made right with God based on my own efforts. But he says this, I once thought these things were valuable but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All these things that Paul had, uh, had, had worked to do so well, now he's saying, you know, it's worthless. Like, it's all about Jesus. Like, Jesus is the one who sets me right with the Father, none of my own efforts. So he continues, for his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage. Now think about this. He had worked his whole life to live in such a way that, 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 he, that, that God would be pleased with him. And he's saying, no, 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 now I consider that garbage. It's garbage. So that I can gain Christ and become one with him. He's setting it all aside. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become right through faith in Christ. And I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Like Paul is saying, Christ is everything. If you miss Jesus, you miss everything. Christ, Jesus is at the center of all things, and it like our actions, our abilities to, to jump through hoops or climb a ladder, like all of that is worthless. It's garbage because of what Christ Jesus has done. Now, in, in this passage, I find myself drifting a little bit in my mind towards the things that we in, in, in our culture, in our world, lean into to provide our identity. Now, this is a little bit of a dangerous conversation when you start talking about identity. And so I want to I walk a, a little path here. When I was younger, I had two older brothers, a, a brother and a stepbrother, that were brilliant. I mean, they, the, uh, Ivy League schools, their SATs were incredible. One of my brothers, older brothers, only missed one question on his SAT, and he knew which one it was. Um, they, they were brilliant. My, my oldest brother um, went to Northwestern in Chicago. He was in theater. He was, I mean, he was just brilliant, uh, a Fulbright scholar, all of those things. And I found myself as I was getting older feeling like I was in the shadows because my brothers were so smart. And so I began to ask, well, who am I? Like, what am I going to be known for? I, I don't have the brains that they have. I don't have the abilities that they have. And so I found myself lost in sports and athletics. 
And I felt like my identity would be solidified by my performance in sports. So the better I was at sports, the, the more of a, of a person I would be. I would be known for that. Now, uh, in, in high school, uh, that worked out fairly well for me. I was able to work my way up on the football team and on the basketball team and run track. And all of that, I felt like, provided a, a solid identity for me. And it's, it's what I lost myself in. Now, what, I don't know what that was for you, but that, like, it, 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 it looks different for all of us. But all of us, at some point, lose ourselves, and we believe that we are what we do. Once I got to college, I realized really quickly, nobody knew. I, I, I was from Alabama, went to Indiana. Nobody knew who I was in high school, and nobody cared about who I was in high school. And it was this wake-up call that my identity could never be in things from the past, especially, but that my identity was, was more about who I was. And that, that is an important thing for us to, to, to wake up to. Now, for, for Paul in the first century, it was religion that gave him his identity, his works, what he had achieved in religion. For us in our world, it's not necessarily religion, but there are things all around us. I started to make a list of the things that we find our identity in. And um, this could be a little painful for some of us. For some of us, it's, it's our title. Like it's what, what we climb the ladder to become. And in that title, we believe we, are, we become somebody because of a title that we hold. For others of us, it's the toys that we're able to buy and put around us. Like our identity is found in the, in the, the kind of toys that we have or the, the number of toys that we have or the expense of the toys that we have, that that provides some sort of worth or identity for us. For others, and this is a dangerous one, it's our kids. Like if our kids succeed, then we feel like we're someone. If our kids are, are uh, extremely talented at something, then we're seen as, as being someone with, with identity. We find our identity, we lose our identity in our, in our kids. For others, it's our fitness or our looks. And so we strive so hard to, to look a certain way or to be able to do certain things. And our identity is wrapped up in those sorts of things. And Paul is saying, you know, I, I went that route and now I consider all of that false identity worthless. It's garbage. And I want to know Jesus. Like, I, I want to know Jesus because in him, I am someone. I am a child of God based solely upon Jesus. Christ is all. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, if, if you want to try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And, and what do you benefit if you gain the entire world, but you lose your soul in the process. And really what I think Paul is reminding the, the Philippians, that this, these young Christians, and I think what is a good reminder to us is that our identity, it, it's not, it can't be wrapped up in what we do. But our identity is sons and daughters of God, and that is nothing that we can achieve of our own strength. And it's in dying to ourselves and the things that we think bring us identity, it's in dying to ourselves that we actually find life. And this song that we sang at Easter, this idea of graves into gardens, is I think a picture of that very thing. 
that when we lay down our lives, the things that, that maybe we've, we've, we've worked so hard to achieve and, and we've, we've somehow lost our identity in those things, when we're able to, to lay those down aside, that, that that's when the gardens begin to spring up and new life comes about. And, and I think that's what Paul wants to remind these early Christians. Don't get lost in what you do. Don't get lost in what you do. Don't get lost in what you achieve. Like, find your value in what Christ has done. So, Father God, thank you for Jesus. And I thank you that he accomplished what we can't accomplish on our own. And I pray for each one of us as we are, as we are following him, that we would, we would find ourselves in him, that we would lay aside anything anything that is a false identity or a false security, that we would pursue Jesus. I pray that we would find life in Christ alone. Uh, such, such an incredible reminder, you know, Christ at the center, nothing better than him. Now, uh, it's, it's interesting uh, that this, this journey, this, this path of following Jesus, I, I think uh, is, is a daily journey for us. I mean, at times we think it's a once and done proposition, you know, but I think any of us who have been following Jesus are reminded that it's a daily decision that we make to follow him, to, to lay aside the, the, the pieces that, that we wrap up our identity in and find ourselves in Christ. And I think Paul is interesting because he talks about all these accolades, the things that he was able to accomplish, and he says, now I, I consider them garbage. And you would think, man, Paul wrote so much of the New Testament, he must have had it figured out. Like, Paul was the man. You know, he had it, he had it all dialed in. He knew how to follow Jesus. But then he goes on, and I'm so thankful for these, these pieces that he wrote when he said, you know what, I, I haven't arrived yet. You know, I, I'm not there. I have not reached perfection. That's an encouragement to me, right? That we're all on this journey and it's, it's not something we've, we've arrived at until we see Christ face to face. It's this daily journey. And he, and he says this, but one thing I focus on, and this is a passage that, that we've, we've taught on. You've probably heard this in, in the past. This, this one thing I focus on, forgetting the past and look, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race, and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This one thing I do, I forget the past. I'm, I'm forgetting what, what's behind me, and I'm turning my attention to what's ahead. I, I once heard someone say, I can't remember who it was, that there's a reason uh, your windshield and your rearview mirror are the sizes that they are in your car. Like, you can't get anywhere if you keep all of your attention on the rearview mirror. I mean, you're in trouble. Like, there's, there's a reason the windshield is so much bigger to keep your eyes on the road ahead of you. Um, I, I, I heard someone, I have no idea who said this either. I'm just grabbing things that people say because they're brilliant. Um, who said this, don't ever, don't ever put a period where God intends to put a comma. And I think sometimes when we get caught in our past, that's exactly what we do. We put a period in the places where God just has a comma, and he's, he wants us to continue the journey ahead. And sometimes we can get lost in what's, what's behind us or the, the image behind us. Now, now, what Paul 
paints here is this, this image of a race, right? He's painting this, this picture of, which I love being uh, you know, into athletics and sports. Like he's, he's, he's painting a picture of this, this race and, and a runner who doesn't get trapped by looking behind him, but he's focusing on the, the prize that is, is out in front of him or her and, and, and pursuing that, the end, you know, the, the finish line that, that lies way out in front of them. Now, when I was younger and um, playing sports, I always heard from my coaches, don't, don't turn around and look behind you when you're running. Like when you're running the football or you're running a race, like why would you, why would you turn around? And the answer is because I want to see if they're going to catch up with me. And the coach would always say, but that, that's a sure way to lose the race. Like your attention should be on the finish line. It should never be in what's behind you or who's behind you. And I think this is one of the greatest struggles of our lives, isn't it? That we get so caught in what happened back there. We get so caught up in, and in, in almost enslaved by what's in our past. And we have these voices. I don't know if, if, if you're like this, but I have these voices that remind me of my failures. The things that I, that I did back then and I find myself like glancing back and wishing I could change things. And Paul says, no, 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 like this one thing, like forget what is behind you and, and focus on what's ahead of you and run the race to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward. I, I love that, that, pack, that passage and the picture that he's, that he's painting that if you are always focused on what's behind you, it will slow you down and it may sideline you from what's ahead. Uh, in Hebrews, the author writes this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance. So it's this picture again of a race. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's how we do this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Christ, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's how you do it. Like to not get lost in what's behind you, not get lost in your failures, not get caught up in, in your identity, uh, the, the status that you have or your kids. or I mean, not that all those things are bad, it's, it's not bad to work your way up a, a corporate ladder. It's not bad to have kids who are successful. None of that is bad. It's when we place our identity in those things, when we think that that is where we gain our status or I, our identity in life, that is what Paul is saying. No, 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 no. Like lay those things aside and find your identity. Like Jesus is enough for us. He, he reminds us that we are sons and daughters of God. So forget what's behind you, the failures that you've had. Don't get caught up in placing your identity in all these other things, but instead find your identity in Jesus. And Jesus, the author of Hebrews says, he's actually the author and the perfecter of your faith in the first place. Um, this, this last song that we're gonna sing together is, is a new one for us. And uh, a, a, few, a few weeks ago, I actually, when I, we were, uh, when the when worship team was rehearsing, I walked in and they were just singing this song. I don't know if you were doing sound checks or what it was, but that you were singing this song and it, it kind of got caught on me, um, this idea that we, we would see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. It's a great lyric. You can't see a victory 
if you're focused on the past. And I think some of us today, as we read through this passage in Philippians, I I think we need to be uh, brutally honest with the ways in which we're trying to build our identity and honest about the ways that our past has ensnared us or enslaved us. And we need to turn our attention back to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and see the victory that he has for us. He has already overcome the grave. So let's sing this this last song together, a, a great reminder that we're going to see a victory because Christ has already overcome. So this morning, um, I can't help but think that there might be some people who have uh, wrapped their identity up in what they do or other pieces of life, whether it be their, their looks, their toys, even their kids. And, and I want you to know that because of what Christ has accomplished, you are a, a son, you are a daughter of the Most High God. And today, you can lay aside that those pieces of your identity, understanding that those are worthless compared to the incredible value of knowing Christ Jesus as the King, as the Lord and Savior of your life. As Paul comes to the end of this chapter, he reminds them once again, you are citizens of heaven. And I want to remind you of that. You are a citizen of heaven, a son or a daughter of God. And whatever it has that, that, that has ensnared you or held you back from knowing that, I, I, that identity, man, I pray that you can lay that down this week maybe even today. And the way that you do that is to turn your attention to Jesus and to turn your affection, your heart and your mind to him, to claim him as king, to claim him as Lord, to claim him as savior. It's not about what you do. It's all about what he has done. May you rest in that this week. May you fix your eyes on Christ Jesus, both the author and the perfecter of your faith. May you run with perseverance the race that is set out before you, and may you see the victory that has been won on your behalf. Much grace and peace to you this week, my friends. Can't wait to see you again.